Centuries ago, the prophet Jeremiah looked at the condition of the people of God and of the world around him, and his heart was grieved and broken. He wanted to give up, he wanted to quit. He just wanted to, just to say to himself, there's no hope, but there was something inside of him. He called it a fire shut up in his bones, and that fire caused him to stand up and preach the gospel, to preach it with truth. And we are calling on pastors today to be united for spiritual awakening and revival and a move of God across our land today. That's why World Challenge, myself and others are doing these pastors conferences, two national pastors conferences next year, to call pastors to put that fire back in their soul, that fresh wind, that fresh fire, that fresh passion. We'll be in San Diego in February and in New York City at Times Square Church. My dear friends, Pastor Carter Conlon, Pastor Tim Delina, Claude Oud, Ron Brown, R.T. Kendall, John Bailey, and many others will be teaching, preaching with great worship leaders. So join us in February or in August, San Diego, New York. What I see in revival is God is coming back to do something in his church first. He's doing something through with both conviction and exposure, I think, is what's happening. Um, we see it happening denominationally. We see it happening all over. But this is not a bad thing. This is God. This is a preparation thing. This. So, when God starts coming back to His house and cleaning it up, it is for a reason. It isn't. It isn't so much. It. It, it is disciplinary, but it is also preparation. Welcome back to the Gary Wilson Podcast. Uh, if you were with us in the last episode, we were talking to Pastor Tim Delaner, the lead pastor of Times Square Church in New York City, and how God is using him and that church to touch many here in America to bring revival and spiritual awakening, and also uh, others around the world. Uh, the content was so rich last episode that we wanted to continue it on into uh, this week as well. So join us in this new episode with Pastor Tim Delaner. Our last episode, we were talking about some of the problems and difficulties the church is facing. Uh, today, we're going to turn the tide a little bit and talk about, or the pendulum, as he spoke about in the last episode, we're going to talk about the hope, the future, the that uh, the, the reality that God's not finished yet, and that he's not going to go out with a, a whimper, but he's going to, well, he's not going to go out at all, but he's going to come in with a bang. And so, yeah, Tim, welcome back. Glad you're taking more time to be with us. Thank you, Gary. Love, love the podcast and love how God is using you just to speak to so many around the world. Oh, thanks, Tim. Appreciate that. Uh, revival. You, you called your first church Revival Tabernacle. I remember reading a book by Winky Prattney about revival, and you're mentioned in that book uh, as one of the young leaders of, in America that could could uh, have the potential to bring revival. I don't know if you remember that or not. Oh my goodness! Uh, but then uh, now you're now you're. Uh, there and uh, you know one of the early days. I don't know if you still use the one of the catchphrases in the early days of Times Square Church was revival on Broadway. Is that is that circle around at all anymore? Gary, yeah, it's it's so amazing that you said that. When we opened up the doors, we revised that uh, that whole thing that your dad brought. I hadn't heard about it in a long time. Oh, Gary, I, I, and I'll, when you come, we we had keychains and everything for people to remember revival on Broadway and to pray for revival on Broadway. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's uh, the, uh, the like little things like that can help people pray and think. And I, and I know you guys pray. You have, uh, you know, Times Square Church has been known historically as well for its prayer meeting. You guys still have a prayer meeting? Yeah. So, so Gary, one of the challenges for us, because we, we feel like we're always in the crosshairs on, um, especially when it comes to any type of uh, 
persecution. We know like our, our antennas are up on even with the Supreme Court decision coming with that they're talking about the Roe v. Wade. We have to make sure that even there is there is some protection for the church because the, from protests and every when, when um, there was a number of protests happening in America, our entire block, all everything was broken into and, and looted. So we're right in the heart of it. Um, so as we begin, as we begin just to think through uh, revival and think through what God is wanting, wanting to do here and right in the thick of all of that, um, we know that the, the intensity of revival also brings the intensity of the persecution. Like those two things seem to go hand in hand um, is what begins to take place. Yeah. Yeah, so as you've heard it said before, if you're not being persecuted in some form or fashion, then you're probably not living a Christian life. Uh, but uh, yeah, so you so talk to me about your heart for revival, for spiritual awakening, whether it be in New York City, a revival in your own church. Um, you know that's where it starts. Uh, although you're quite revived already, I know. Um, but uh, yeah, just tell me about your your heart for this, and then your thoughts on it. Maybe then we'll ask a little bit later after that. Then. Where are we? Like if, if uh, a beginning of revival is a one and 10 is, you know, you're really seeing a spiritual awakening like the Jesus movement in America. You know, yeah. So the first one is tell me your heart. Uh, Gary, I think uh, you brought up an, uh, not only an old book, but an old friend, Winky Prattney. I think Winky Prattney had uh, the best definition of revival that I've heard. And Winky said this, revival is when God gets sick and tired of being misrepresented that he shows up himself. Wow. Amen. And, and I think that's what revival is. I think it's when God comes back first comes back to his church to make sure it is a place where there is a harvest and the, and the net can be thrown out from that, that it is, it is good ground. And I think, I think what I see in revival is God is coming back to do something in his church first. He's doing something through with both conviction and exposure, I think is what's happening. Um, we see it happening denominationally, we see it happening all over, but this is not a bad thing. This is God, this is a preparation thing. This so when God starts coming back to his house and cleaning it up, it is for a reason. It isn't, it isn't so much, it it, it is disciplinary, but it is also preparation. So when when all of a sudden we have all over the news that there's that there's some atro that, that atrocities have happened within certain denominations and uh, certain uh, high profile people have, things have come out, um, our heart breaks for that. Our heart is 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 hurt for those things and and the people and all those things. But there's also something in me that goes, God, this is not just disciplinary. This is preparation because you are wanting it to be a place. For people to come that when you start bringing in a harvest of people it is it is god going i'm bringing them into a good place i'm bringing them into a healthy place and that's what i think is happening right now it's so so our optimism gary is this the way our heart breaks over the brokenness in the church today but my heart is excited to know it's it is a cleaning for preparation for what god is going to do and I think that's what's happening. He's it's so when when he's uh, when things are getting exposed, it's God going. I'll restore. I'll put it back to the, the same place. And and even though it may take some time, one of my favorite verses, Gary, in um, 
It's one of the oddest verses in all the New Testament. It's it's one of the moments that the disciples are on a on on a ship, um, a boat, and in the middle of the night in John six, um, the boat starts rocking from a storm, and in the middle of that, Jesus starts walking towards them, and they're going, "It's a ghost! It's a ghost! It's a ghost!" And it says that they tried to row, and and they and they only got a few stadia away. They couldn't even row the boat because of the 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 headwinds in front of them. And then it says this, Gary. It says, when he stepped into the boat, it, it's I think it's John six thirty three or thirty two. It's it's one of the most it's one of the most amazing yet odd scriptures. It says when he stepped into the boat, immediately John says it was on dry land. It. it it's almost you're going like, what in the world just happened? It's it's when because when Jesus steps in and and starts to take care of in their case the fear and the and 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 the the thoughts of of not even recognizing Christ, but when Christ finally steps in, time speeds up and gets them to where they needed to be without their effort on the on the oars. And I think that's what's happening. So I'm not worried going like, oh God, all this time, all this exposure. I'm going, this is Jesus stepping into his church. And and immediately, I think we're going to see, we can wake up immediately. Because I think that's what revival is. Revival is suddenness. There's a there's an immediacy to revival that nobody can begin to... Revival is never this trajectory that goes up. It is... It is a church that's in trouble and even sometimes in de- in, in decline. And then all of a sudden the spirit comes and I, that's the stepping into the boat and God gets us to where we need to be immediately. Wow. That, that's very hopeful that something could come quickly, because, you know, and that's a, I know, I know the uh, hermeneutically the, the, the call of come Lord Jesus come is, is more about the second coming, but I think, yes. you know, we could borrow it and make that our prayer too. come quickly, Lord. Uh, both in you know in the second coming, but also come quickly to the church and visit. Come quickly to our culture and uh, let the let the revival create a spiritual awakening. And I, I think that's the difference between the two. Is the revival usually I, I tend to see more in the, what's happening in the church, the awakening of the church, the cleansing of the church. The uh, you know that uh, if they're willing to hear you know thus the, the saith the Lord to the church, it awakens the church, uh, and then God can use that to. Awaken, awake, awaken the culture. Yeah, Gary, the, w- w- you're so you're so right because it, it, when you when you when you begin to delineate between revival and awakening, I, I think revival is so much harder than awakening because the lost will will come in. That's the fish. That's easy. It's it's when God has to has to pry away and and do the the work in His church. And I'll tell you what He's doing and what's exciting to me that I think is happening in the church today. So you go back to your second coming part, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Towards the end of the book of Revelation, there's this amazing phrase. It says, and the spirit and the bride say come. And and what I see that, Gary, as it's God getting his church that we're saying the same thing that the spirit says at the same time. Mm, love that. I feel like we, we have we're always out of misstep with the spirit. And, and I think that's what he's doing. He's getting us. He's going, when I arrive, he says, we're saying the same thing at the same time. We're hearing what the spirit says and we say it together. And I think that's what revival is. When the spirit and the bride say the same thing at the same time. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that might be that might open up some surprising messages from the pulpit um, when we're saying the thing that the Spirit's saying for this generation. You know, because I don't want to get back into what we were talking about last episode of some of the struggles that the church is facing. But just to touch once again on it is, you know, there are a lot of words coming from whether it be a small group Bible study or a book that a Christian's reading or from, you know, a pulpit is is the is kind of some messages that are sort of more culturally acceptable, you know, like, you know, how, how to do this, how, how to succeed, how to have all your dreams come true. Uh, you know, and 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 the spirit can say those things certainly, um, but you know, if if you know ninety percent of the churches are saying that, and ninety percent of the churches are not revived, you know, maybe there's another message out there. You know, maybe there's something else that needs to be said, and uh, you know, put, putting and maybe even a precursor to the revival would be putting our ear to the ground, so to speak, you know, and hearing hearing what the Lord has to say, uh, you know, he, hearing His voice. It it certainly. You know, I, th- I think when Jesus came, it surprised not only the religious leaders of his day, but his own followers. Like, is this the message you really want to preach? These parables, these stories, you know. And so, I think to to do what you're talking about doing is to speak the same thing, the spirit speaking, again, whether it be from the pulpit or uh, you know, a, a, a mom and dad and their family, to uh, to speak what the Holy Spirit's saying. I, th- I think we need to listen and then be prepared to say things that. Are both difficult, but also both edifying and 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 life changing, life transforming. There should be a power there uh, to do that. Yeah. So, what what are some of the what are some of the things you would advocate to see take place? To I don't know necessarily speed this along, but certainly to promote it. Uh, to to you know, I know Finney talks a lot about promoting revivals as opposed to Edwards, who you know saw them as a sovereign work of God. Uh, but both of them certainly believed in prayer. They both believed in things. What what would be some of the things that you would see as important or necessary? When I look, for example, Gary, and and allow me just to just to take the decline for a second and get and get to the positive, because I know we wanted to really talk about what God is doing. Um, because and, and that next generation. If you think about, for example, how does Peter? Um, in Matthew 16, say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then literally a few years later, he is, he is denying him. How do, you, how do you go from this great declaration to a denial? How, how, how does that happen? Which reminds me of, of the, the, the statistic of 80% of, our, of, of young people between 18 through 29, 80%, they said, we'll leave, the church, we'll leave our church. We'll go from declaration to decline. And so in order for that to happen, I think what you're talking about saying, okay, then what needs to happen for revival? What needs to happen in the church? I think it's looking at where Peter failed. How, would, how did he go from declaration to declining, uh, to denying Jesus? And, and what I saw happen was this. One is, is when Jesus started talking about the cross, Peter goes, never. No, 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 no. You'll never go to the cross. It's number one, it's trying to rewrite the very clear path of God, the very word of God. So it's really a revival of the word back into the pulpit again, not calling in for what is going to to, to simply um, be what is popular or what is going to draw people in, but what is God saying through his word? It's going to be a re, not a rewrite of scripture, of rewriting of what we, we, we want God to say, because Peter didn't want to hear about the cross and persecution. 
Peter didn't want to hear about those things. And so we're living in a society, there's a brand new name out now for, for, the, for uh, a number of people that have not so much, that, that left the church, but not, they, they think not left God, and they're called religious remixes now. The religious remix are the buffet people. They just choose, pick and choose what they want uh, to put, but that's rewriting. That's rewriting what God wants to do. So I think it's going to be first, the pulpits are going to hold fast to the word of God. I think it also is prayer. Um, I, I'm so grateful that we do have a prayer meeting here every Tuesday night and other churches are now, I'm watching prayer meetings pop up in all different places. Um, but that's where Peter failed. That's where he went from declaration to denial because he says, you couldn't even watch with me one hour. You couldn't watch. And so I think, I think they'll be saying, God, we want, we want to believe exactly what your word says, Lord, that you would find us not sleeping. But I'll tell you the third thing, Gary, that I think is really the most, that just as important. Remember in that garden, um, Peter picks up a, because Peter is sleeping and not praying, he picks up a sword that, that he was hoping would give him authority. And it's literally a church today that has chosen swords over bended knees, that chose, that chose man's, man's ingenuity, man's form of authority, instead of what God gives through, through a church that will pray. And so and I think it's God disarming the church from man's swords and man's ways and man's things that we would think, oh, this is going to push us forward. And we're finding out that the swords that we have used, the, all those swords that, that the church has picked up today to think that's going to propel us forward has really failed us, has really, has really put us in decline. And that's why I think there is going to be a revival of the word being preached. I think there's going to be a revival of prayer in the church and the church putting down man's methods and realizing we, we're going to see God move. And I think that's where those revivals begin to happen. I think it's a revival in itself. If a man or a woman were to put down the more humanistic, you know, um, successful uh, worldly view of success, put yes. those th that put that sword down, yes, and take up the word of God again. That in itself is a revival. Could you imagine if, if even fifty percent of the churches in America, and I'm talking about Pentecostal, Charismatic, Baptist, um, Prosperous. Uh, Presbyterian, Episcopal, if if even half of them would pick up the Word of God on Sunday, and the pastor say, "Let this word speak to me. Let let this thing live through me," and then actually say what it says, you know, because you know how many of us. Um, I think one of the struggles I had in my early days of preaching would be, you know, having learned you're supposed to have a text, so you'd read a text, and then like not address it the whole rest of the time. <laughs> you're just kind of going off on your own, your own. Uh, sort of like helpful hints and tidbits and, you know, but, 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 but back to the, man, I can't agree with you more. Just if we can get back to the word of God, the, I'm finding that when I pre, well, no, go ahead. You're going to say something. And then I'll. Gary, I, and, and just, I'm just going to add to what you're saying. When you think of those mainline denominations as you're calling them back to preaching the word, what they have done is they've gone back to the, what Peter did. He's, they're trying to rewrite. Um, and so they're rewriting what this, what Jesus has clearly said in the scripture when it comes to areas in our society and even sin in our society. And it's, it's a sword. They're thinking, well, if we just agree and if we put out a flag here and if we post something here and if we tell them that we're, we're standing with this situation or this group and instead of standing on the word of God, we like you said, if we would see just the churches, 50% of them go back to the word of God and stand on that, 
I'm telling you, there would be revival taking place. So I, I agree with you. We have just picked up too many swords um, to think that this is going to push us forward. Yeah, no, I, that's that, that's dear to my heart is to see, I have a hunger to see for, for my own self. And that's where it starts with me. I, I, I can't always change other people's worldview or, you know, sense of what they do. But, you know, for myself, just to say, you know, I'm going to, going to stick to the word. I find myself more and more in my preaching, you know, how, how we all self-evaluate, you know, you get down from the pulpit and go like, man, that was a bomb. I can't believe I preached that. Or, or that was, that was kind of a good word. There was a lot of amens and the crowd was riled up, but you know, I've really gotten away from that. And, and I, I asked myself, you know, and certainly whether, whether the devil attacks you or not, or your own vain imaginations begin to speak to you about your, your abilities or whatever. I get, I get down from the pulpit now time after time and I go, did, did I speak the word of God? Did I, did I say what it says? Did I, I've been using more and more this old, uh, I heard this old preacher say, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you or not before he, in the pulpit, he gets his Bible up and he, and he, and he, he says, and he was talking to young pastor, he says, stick your finger in the text and then, then just keep the finger in the text and, and tell your people, this is what this word says. And this is what that verse says. And, and he goes, and when that finger gets tired, Go ahead and put it in the pocket. That's okay. He says, but then get your other finger out and put it in the text and tell the people what what God is saying, not what you're thinking, not what not what's uh, not what you think is going to you know draw the most amens, not not what you think is the 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 the, the uh, you know the, I don't know. There's just uh, you know I sometimes I feel like I'm getting this is going to sound terrible, but sometimes I feel like I'm getting visited by the ghost of Leonard Ravenhill. <laughs> it's just like I'm hearing these things say like you know. Like tell the church to quit using gimmicks. Tell the church to quit looking at pop psychology. Tell the men and women of God that that uh, you know not to borrow the 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 the, the plans of the world. Tell, tell them that Jesus is sufficient. Tell them that the Word of God is 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 what we need. And then you know if the revival is 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 you know there's several biblical portions that the Bible could point us to. You know where there's like the city of Ephesus, some scholars say you know sixty thousand people got saved uh, when they were doing that bonfire time. What a what a revival and a spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. And then I look That's at right. I, but I look at Isaiah. You know when he sees the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe fills the temple, and he says, you know, God says, "Who can I send?" And Isaiah says, "Me, send me, send me." He's all excited because he's seen the fire, he's seen the awakening. He's he's going to go promote revival, and God says, "Okay, I'll send you, but nobody's going to hear you." You know and. But so it sounds very depressing, like, okay, great. You know, you sent me a personal revival and I want to spread that across the nation, but you're now you're telling me nobody's gonna listen to me. But God gives throws him a bone, so to speak, at the end and says, Well, in a stump that you see that seems to be a, a forest cut down, you look look at look what you see there. You see a, a tree growing up. There's, there's there's a branch coming up out of that. And that branch is pure, that branch is holy, that branch is the word of God, that branch is Christ, that branch is purity, it's holiness, it's 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 an awakening, it's vibrancy, it's 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 a spiritual uh, uh, sense of God is present among us and he's holy and he's loving. And and, and uh, you know, and so for me, the revival that we're talking about today could could take either any of those forms. I believe I I just want to trust God with that, but you know, our role in it is to be, as you're saying, faithful to to be on our knees before God and to be in the Word and to proclaim the Word of God. Again, whether it's, you know, some people listening are are not in the pulpit, but they're they're speaking to their spouse or they're speaking to their children or they're, you know, they in the lobby of their church or when they have lunch with somebody or when they're at Starbucks, uh, you know, they they can sit down and say, you know, here here's the Word of the Lord. Here's what God's saying. So. 
Well, Gary, what's amazing with what you're saying is that I, my mind went back to um, there's a there's a book of letters that it's called Letters to Malcolm by C.S. Lewis. And he addresses this. L listen to what he says. Lewis is writing this to a friend uh, named Malcolm. And he says, and he's talking about clergy and the church. He says, it looks as if they, the, the clergy, believe people can be lured to go to church by, <laughs> this is amazing, because here, here, this is 75 years old, this letter. He says, it looks as if they, the, the clergy believe people can be lured to go to church by incessant brightenings, lights, lengthenings, abridgments, simplifications of the service. And it's probably true that a new and keen vicar will be able to form within his parish a minority who are in favor of the innovations, but the majority, I believe, never are. Those who remain many give up church going altogether just to merely endure, he says. Is this simply because the majority are hidebound? He says, I think not. Listen to this. He says, they have a good reason for their conservatism. Novelty, he says, as such, can have only an entertainment value. They don't go to be to church, they don't go to church to be entertained. They go to use the service. And then he says this: he says, it fixes people's attentions on the celebrant, but not on, on the celebrated, which is God. And, and that's what I think is that we're coming to that place that Winky talked about, that God got, gets sick and tired of being misrepresented. He shows up himself to become the center of attraction. He's the one that goes that the church, by lifting up the word, we lift up Christ. By lifting up the word, we draw people to, to Christ. And that's why what you're saying, Gary, um, I, I use a Bible reading program every year. It's just something that helps me to stay focused. It's by an old Scottish preacher named Robert Murray McShane. And you read two chapters of the Old Testament, two chapters of the New Testament, and you, you get through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice every year. I was reading his biography, Gary, and they said while he was um, at his church in Scotland, they found out that McShane wasn't ready to preach. Like they've gone through, it was, it was a high church. They, the music was done, everything was done, and there is no preacher. So they, they said that the deacons went back to get McShane and heard him yelling in his study and and they did, they thought it was a counseling session saying, if you don't come out with me, I'm not going out. You don't come with me. I'm not going into. And they go, he's trying to convince his friend to walk in there with them. So this is a really, when he, he finally walks out, there's nobody in there. And they realized he was beckoning the Holy Spirit. God. That's how desperate he was. He was desperate to say, if you don't go to that pulpit with me, then I'm not going out there. And that's what, I think that's what God's getting us back to. Hallelujah. Well, I, I give you a big amen on that one. I love that love that phrase. I, I was reading something by McShane as well recently, and I thought it was, it was similar to what we're talking about here. He said he goes to the Word you know, to drink, and it's a flood. It fl as he goes, it's like a... He described it as being like by being by the seashore in Scotland, and seeing these waves crash against the rocks, and seeing the spray, and feeling the smell, and or feeling the sensing the smell, and just the, this overwhelming sense of God's presence in the Word and in prayer. And then he takes it back to his church, and he's trying to describe that. And he goes, and and what I feel like is I throw a cup of water on them. You know, it's just not. You know, there's this sense of you know not being able to to do all that we want to do and yet God's presence being there. But it's the reason I brought that up is just to say, I, I would just encourage people just keep going back to that ocean 
uh, you know, and then your spirit will be revived and keep crying like you're like Tim, Tim has just said, keep crying out, God, don't, you know, and Moses cried that as well. I'm not going to go uh, into the promised land unless you go with me. I don't need the bells and whistles. I don't need the milk and honey. I need you, your presence. And th- these are some, I think we're talking about some things that could really bring a spiritual awakening in our lives and in our churches and our nation. And I agree with you, Gary. It's an old it's an old statement from an old pastor who said this: When men are clever, Jesus is not wonderful. Mm -hmm. When men are clever, Jesus is not wonderful. I I don't want. I don't. I I know this is your heart. It's my heart. I don't want to be clever. I want Jesus to be wonderful. Then that's when revival comes. I agree. Wow, what a great stopping place! Uh, Just hearing you say that is just something I want to leave with people as they. as they listen to this podcast, and I think some people might want to listen to it a second time because there's a there's some some depth in there. Some some of the things you're saying, Tim, are really need to be held on to. And maybe I can get our uh, our team that does the show notes for this to to uh, place uh, access to some of those quotes that you brought up because I think that would be that'd be really awesome. So, Tim, thank you. Uh, you know, you're, I'm I'm blessed the, the the call of God on your life and how you fulfilled it. If, you know, Paul told Timothy, fulfill the call of God on your life. And you're doing that in a stellar fashion, and God's using you mightily. And there are great, great things yet to come as well. But uh, thank you for taking the time of your busy schedule to speak to uh, those who listen here on our podcast. Appreciate it so much. Thank you, Gary. And what a joy! I, there's the, the best is yet to come, and I'm and I'm so I'm honored that we get to do it together. There's a lot. There's a lot ahead. The best is yet to come. Yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of history together, and should the Lord Terry, we have. Uh, have some work yet to do before we're finished. Amen. And thanks, Tim. God bless, buddy. Have a good, a good day. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in the mission of World Challenge. Thank you for listening and supporting. World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Visit us online at worldchallenge.org.